Dan O'Sullivan, our audience tonight is composed mostly of Egyptians. And since the Egyptian pharaoh Tutankhamun is your expertise, I thought we could probe your area. I beg your pardon? Of expertise. Spelled wrong? Naturally. You're listening to Expertise, Spelled Wrong, the podcast where the world's most expert experts discuss their areas of expertise expertly. Expert comedy writer Claire Sarah and expert comedy writer Dan O'Sullivan bring their expertise to other unrelated expertises. Oh my goodness, what a happy day it is today because we are delving into the exotic, rich, and wonderful world of the Egyptian pharaoh Tutankhamun. The breadbasket of Mesopotamia, Claire. That's Egypt. And pharaoh is not just a ruler, it's a life-giving grain. Welcome to my world of mysticism and good eating. I just, I loved your book so much. Pharaoh and Pharaoh, spelled both ways, both times. I read that book a year ago, and I'm still awake today. Well, that's one of the life-giving attributes of these ancient grains. Pharaoh, spelt with an F. (laughs) (laughs) It is so life-giving, Claire, that it doesn't just give life, it gives extra life. I mean, you are full of energy once you've started ingesting those grains. That's how the miracle of the afterlife works for these uh, pharaohs. With a P. Uh, sorry, yes, these pharaohs. I, sh- I probably should pronounce it that way. So you know when I'm referring to a pharaoh versus a pharaoh, the ancient grain. That would help so much because this sure. is a podcast where they can't see if you're saying an F or a P. For our listeners who may not be as well versed in the magical wonder of Tutankhamun, he was a boy king, as you said, and it was roughly 1300 BC. I, we have opened his tomb to find golden trinkets, and you have focused in on the grains. I feel like the grains of Tutankhamun are like the pants of Louis Fourteenth. you know? Mm. They were there, mm-hmm. we just don't think about them. Picture Louis Fourteenth. what do you picture? P- pants. Curly locks, golden furniture. Puffy pants. Mm-hmm. Do you, you picture the puffy pants? Well, I mean, just because you said it, only because you okay. said it, I was picturing Because I feel like you're disrespecting me now, Claire. You're sort of undermining my theory that when you think of Louis the Fourteenth, you don't think of pants at all. No, that's that's a better point. That's a better point. I'll I'll edit out the part where when you said Louis the Fourteenth, and I immediately pictured his pants. Okay, I think that says more about you than it does about my theory. So Louis the Fourteenth, what kind of grains did he eat? Well, I don't specialize in Louis the Fourteenth. I oh, specialize course. in other world leaders, particularly the boy king. Now. I do get a lot of blowback, and that's probably from just having so much grain in my system, for zeroing in on such a specific aspect of ancient times. But Claire, why else to study ancient times if not to learn from those times and apply the lessons that we learn to today? I hope you don't mind. I did a little bit of research before you you came on, and Tutankhamen died very young. A lot of people say, well, isn't it ironic? He's suffering from all these horrible, debilitating sicknesses while surrounded by these life-giving grains of the fertile crescent. And 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 apparently his own crescent was not so fertile. It is interesting to me, if you don't mind me saying, as a woman, that this young Tutankhamun, a young boy, is literally worshipped. He was unable to bring an heir to continue on the dynasty for Egypt. I mean, he was a 14-year-old boy. How many sisters have you impregnated? 
According to all the research done on his mummified body, he was shorter than I am, definitely crooked, tilty in some places, pelvically horrifying to look at. And it sounds like you've been going through the slides I provide with the book. And I, I mean, no, no offense. And, and in fact, some admiration. I mean, that description does match you. That's why I've been going through my Tutankhamun diet, Claire. The poor boy worked so hard to try to overcome all of these sicknesses, right. ailments, right. and physical deformities that he suffered from and failed. Clearly, he failed. He, he died failed. at the age of 14. Right. But Claire, I'm coming up on 29. I believe that I've done a better job interpreting the health-giving recipes from the inside of the tomb walls than Tutankhamun himself did. So when people are skeptical about my notions that these are recipes on the, the walls, yeah. I'm saying, look, that is clearly a half cup measure that's being depicted. If I may point out, you you started this diet about 10 years ago. And beforehand, you were a fine, healthy young man, six foot one. Yes. Uh, you played- Broad in the shoulders. Yeah. You were a rower for Harvard, wasn't it? Yes. On the, yeah. Harvard and Yale. I played for both teams. I was so strong. And then you started this diet that- That a lot of people say has contributed to this horrible weakening of my system, the yeah. tilting of my pelvis, as you've pointed out. Honestly, I mean, it is your research and I brought you on as the expert, but I just, I do want to point out that a half cup of spelt is- mm -hmm. that's, that's not a recipe. That's an ingredient. And Well, now I feel like we're splitting hairs, Claire. Which is another aspect of, I mean, I, I can see, our listeners can't, but your, oh, your head. This frazzled it's, head of mine. Every hair is split on there. Yeah. I mean, I think that I speak for everybody who's ever laid eyes on you. Just have a hamburger, for God's sake. Well, as you point out, it's a book full of what I have called recipes, and which now I understand to more accurately be ingredients. So... I've sort of basically created a shopping list. Tutankhamun shopping list. You know, for our listeners at home, would it help yeah. to just go down the list and uh, maybe name some of the ingredients for folks who might like to, if not eat like the pharaohs, at least shop like the pharaohs? <laughs> I think that's a great idea because who wouldn't? We all love to think of eating like our ancestors. Right at the top of the list, grains. Yes. You know, I'm all about the life-giving grains. I yeah. feel like the grains are life-giving. Yes. And that if you need something to give life, right? then grains would grains. be the life-giving grains to go with. So definitely grains are on the list. Yes. Yes. For, for life-giving. That's great. And I imagine, you know, the leeks and onions. Those are vegetables, Claire. But... They wouldn't be on the shopping list? Oh, sure, sure, sure. Sure. But just, you know, as as your expert, yes. I just don't want to confuse the grains column with the vegetables column. Well, Now, what they did in ancient times, Claire, sure. we know this from the um, hieroglyphics on the tomb walls. Yeah. They basically had a painted checklist, and these are just beautiful. You can see oh. the gold leaf oh, and the natural plant dyes that have been used oh. to kind of color code these checklists. And right. there's that beautiful paint. It looks like, um, what's the jackal head figure? Oh, yeah, that god. Is that? That god. Yeah, that god. So that's used sort of as a, a check mark to show that that item has been picked up and placed in the basket. It's interesting to me that he would do his shopping himself. Very interesting. I don't know if it was Nefertiti 
who mm. was actually going up and down the aisles, you know. Right, right, um, right. He would not be in the grocery store racing up and down the aisles. Sure, I mean, he uh, couldn't race. Clearly, he was hobbled and... Tilted pelvis. Yeah. Yeah, so there were a lot of reasons for him to stay at home at the tomb, just, you know, adding things to the list. Right. Having a scribe paint them onto the wall. Right. And then sending out slaves to collect what he needed. So we can take this to modern times just directly. What I recommend is just grab a sheet of papyrus and, you know, some sort of a goose quill. Yeah, um, and a yeah, little yeah. little gold plating. You'll need some gold leaf, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, slaves are not as available now as they were at the time. Right. So you're probably going to have to do a lot of this yourself. Okay. You can do a lot of it actually in the store while you're going up and down the aisles. So you might say, um, you look at your list, yeah. you see the word spelt, you rush yes. over to the ancient grains aisle. And then you need to heat that gold up to right. l- liquefaction. How did they do that back then? Um, they wouldn't do it in the grocery store. And I'm not, I wouldn't actually <laughs> just... recommend that you do it. But what I this is a great little trick that I've picked up. If you go to the nice ladies that do the handouts, the, uh, the free samples. Yeah, right. They almost always, Claire, have a little hot plate going to keep the samples warm. And you, you just say, look, I've, I've got this um, gold in layer that I need to warm right. up. Right, and they would know. Uh, you know, just, just hot enough to just liquefy a mm-hmm. millimeter thin sheet of gold in order to mark this off my shopping list. This just makes yeah. so much sense. You know, finally, before we let you go, you know, we, we touched on it quickly, but I feel like our listeners are going to be putting two and two together. And mm. um, we've talked about what a healthy young man you were and what a sad, sad specimen of a human you've become. And we also just touched on the curse of the tomb. Could it be part of Tutankhamun's curse that has afflicted your body to such a, frankly, Mm -hmm. off-putting level? There's no doubt about it in my mind, Claire. I'm such a devotee of Tutankhamun. Such a fan. I mean, if I saw him racing up and down the aisles, even with his off-center pelvis, you know, his awkward gait, his dangling flesh and falling hair, I I think I would just fall over in a faint with excitement. That's what a a fan I am of this pharaoh. Yeah. I have to say that I feel like you're taking this interest in me merely because I do have a regal bearing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not unlike, you know, it's sort of a sympathetic regal bearing that I've yes, got. Yes, right. As, as, you know, a, a pox as well. Yes. But yeah. I feel like there's a subservience that you're willing to submit unto me. Right. Just because I have this superiority, you know, this natural king-like pharaohmanship. I can definitely it, get a whiff of Tutankhamun off of you, if that's... Yeah, yeah. It, it does. It just exudes from me. And I, I know, so does the pus. It's like necrosis, almost wafting. But I want you to treat me like you would treat any commoner, Claire. I do not want to be wrapped up in sheets of linen. I do not want to have my brain sucked out through my nose for crying out loud. Oh, excuse me. I think that was just just accidentally a little little bit of my brain coming out my nose. Got a little little something right there. Let me just grab a tissue. Well, I really do feel like this is probably as much as I can look at for the hour. Thank you so much, Dan O'Sullivan. I would ask you back next year, but I have a feeling you might be um, a spirit in the sky with your own open tomb. Claire, thanks so much. Pyramid power to you and everyone out there. Pyramid power. The Expertise, spelled wrong, podcast is free. And, like the Amish, all are welcome. Be sure to sign up for our email announcements at funnypodcast.co 
and follow us in your favourite podcast app, like the expert podcast listener we know you are. And since the Egyptian pharaoh Tutankhamun is your expertise of area, I thought we could probe yours. Spelled wrong? Naturally. All right, I think that works. You must have written it down wrong, Claire. I can't even copy and paste this. <laughs>